welcome to my new podcast, Wildlife Gardening. In this day and age of increased urbanisation, habitat destruction and deforestation, it's easy to feel powerless about the ever-reducing greenscape around us. In these episodes, I'll be taking you through some scientifically peer-reviewed tips and tricks to build the most biodiversity right in your backyard. But first, let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Holly, I'm 21 years old and I'm currently in my fourth year of studying a double degree in science and communications. I'm passionate about all things biology, chemistry and how they work and affect the environment we see right in our backyards. Not only do I love what I'm studying, but I hold a passion for gardening and I have several plants at home, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But you will learn later on that just because you have a plethora of plants doesn't mean you are necessarily effectively contributing to biodiversity within your garden. Now, enough about me and let's get on to the interesting stuff. What is wildlife gardening and why do we even need it? A wildlife garden doesn't require an extravagant mosaic of habitats to be effective. Whether it be a tiny patio or a huge courtyard, the term can be applied to any residential space that supports a variety of flora and fauna. Aside from the environmental benefits, the gardening process has also been proven to reduce stress levels and promote feelings of well-being. There has been countless studies within literature that outline the detrimental effects of invasive species. Now, the problem of planting or even keeping an invasive species is their ability to spread quickly and preventing growth of natives. Invasive species can alter natural habitats killing large numbers of native species and causing them to go extinct, severely impacting human health, and they can even escalate economic costs. On that note, I'm going to run you guys through some good indigenous plants that are really easy to take care of in in your garden and are a much better option than invasive species that often look pretty but are not. Okay, so our first step into creating a wildlife garden is providing a water source. Creating a water source in your garden creates a host of ways for you to attract a variety of different wildlife. Things like toads, frogs and even newts will use water as a breeding ground or for shelter. Butterflies can also gain valuable minerals and nutrients. And birds will also use a water source to bathe in or remove parasites. Bird baths do work well, but naturally they only attract bird species. As long as the baths are kept clean, they won't attract the wrong insects. Uh, For example, an unkept bird bath can pass on bad diseases. That brings us on to our third Oh no, sorry, our second uh, way to create your wildlife garden. If you're planning on creating an ecosystem, it's imperative that you keep any cats or dogs out of reach. According to a recent study, cats kill 1.5 billion native animals every year and dogs are far easier to keep out of the garden. 
On the other hand, uh, cats are a far bigger problem. My only recommendation is if you own a cat, to keep it indoors. There's always the issue of maybe a neighbor's cat or a feral cat entering your wildlife sanctuary, but it is a risk that unfortunately can't entirely be avoided. Something like a hollow log is perfect for reptiles, and no dogs, cats, birds, even um, maybe your neighbor's cat or a feral cat, even if they do get in, they won't be able to reach the reptile inside the logs. Also, planting small shrubs as well as wood chips can make the general area of your garden quite attractive to any reptilian life. Uh, it's just all about creating an area that makes them feel safe and sheltered from predators. Another uh, option for uh, reptiles is putting in some semi-flat stones or rocks that receive sun for most of part of the day. That can improve your chances in making your garden reptile friendly. Be sure when you are doing this to, to place the sunbathing area somewhere close to a shelter because if a predator does attack, our lizard friend can quickly scurry to safety. Fourth step in creating your wildlife garden, which is a really cute one, I think, actually, and it's called insect hotels. So the right type of insects can have huge benefits in your garden. For example, ladybugs can have, can eat between 500 to 5,000 aphids in their lifetime. Any pest nearly always has a predator. And maintaining a habitat for these predators means pest problems won't nearly be as bad. So if you're wanting to attract a huge variety of insect life, a pond is a good first step, like what we mentioned before. What's needed is somewhere else for the insects to be able to call home. And that's where an insect hotel comes in. Insect hotels are easy to create and are perfect for improving the natural habitat in your garden. Creating an insect hotel is a piece of cake. The basic premise is providing just little nooks and crannies and a piece of wood or a log or something for insects to find shelter in or somewhere they can lay their eggs. You can choose to put some time and effort into this if you wanted the insect hotel to fit your garden's aesthetic. Although it won't really have any effect on the bugs. It can be as simple as putting a piece of wood down and you're set. Alrighty, so that leads us on to our final step, which is chemicals. Chemicals are designed to provide a quick solution for many common gardening problems, but they can harm visiting animals and there's often a much simple and much cheaper chemical-free solutions at hand. For example, if you spray a chemical onto, say, a caterpillar, you might kill that caterpillar, but you also may be affecting other animals that you didn't even think about. A bird may eat that poisoned insect, and this bird, although not visibly affected straight away, something called bioaccumulation starts to occur. As the bird eats more poison bugs over time, the poison builds up in its body, and this may later cause it to become sick or die. Or another predator may eat that poison bird and that poison will then end up in that predator's system, perpetuating an endless cycle. So let's review those steps again. 
we had number one, which was limiting invasive species. Number two, creating a water source. Number three, controlling pests. And finally, number four, limiting chemicals. But how does this affect you listening right here, right now? Let's take Brisbane, for example. There are approximately 180,000 people living in flats or apartments, which leaves 600,000 citizens residing in houses. That's 603,000 that can make a wildlife garden. Simple gardening actions such as removing weeds, cultivating indigenous flora and improving habitats and gardens can contribute to the wider task of sustainability. Many of the things I spoke about today will be linked on our website where you can find photos of invasive species I was talking about, links to literature reviews and studies and overall it's an excellent game plan and start to your wildlife gardening. Thank you for listening and I look forward to our next episode. Let me know what you guys would like to hear about or if I may have missed anything, let me know.